We are skidding into the finish today. Okay, so that's not supposed to be on. Hi. Rachel, of course you're here. I expected... I expected uh, nothing short of a a big, huge I'm here. Danielle Leslie, hi, welcome. Today, we're going to be reading Harry Potter and the Prisoner's Caban, chapters 17 and 18. That's right, we're back to another uh, two-chapter week. It's uh, Chapter 18 is pretty short, um, but we are going to do both chapters today. I'm very excited because today it... Uh, we we kind of hit the climax of everything going on in this book. We get to see, we get to learn more about the prisoner of Azkaban himself, Sirius Black. He's been terrorizing Harry for months now, and now we find out why. We find out why we find out what he's been up to. We find out all sorts of things, and I'm very pleased that you'll be able to join me for this. Okay, looks like I have to reconnect. Just a moment. There we go. Regarding my stream quality, I go back and forth between these crazy spikes and dips in um, in upload speeds. So uh, bear with me; it'll show up. I find that uh, it typically affects video much more than audio, and this isn't so much a video thing. This is more about the voice. I really appreciate you guys joining me, and I'm very excited. Also, um, because it's a short chapter, I would love to uh, get your guys' help with uh, something at the very end. I'm going to be recording like a quick little, um, I guess, kind of a channel trailer, I guess. Kind of a an ad for what this is and what's going on here. Um, it's going to be like 15 seconds. I might record a 30-second one as well, but I would love to uh, have you guys join me for that, if you're interested. I'm just going to tag it on here at the end. You guys can give me input about, uh, you know, what you think would go well in that. Now, for those of you who don't know what this is or what I'm doing, my name is Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories. We are in the midst of a start-to-finish read-through of the Harry Potter series. We are in book three, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, and today, as I mentioned, we're rounding up on the end. We're at the height of the action, so if you're here for the first time, a very happy welcome to you. I'm going to uh, give a quick recap of the things we saw last week on the stream, and then I'm going to dive into chapter 17. So, first of all, let's get into it. Chapter 16. Actually, we did two chapters last week, so chapter 15 um, uh, began with some, some really terrible news about Hagrid and Buckbeak. Uh, Buckbeak is slated for a hearing to, uh, to readdress, uh, excuse me, the hearing has already happened, uh, slated for an appeal process uh, to see if Buckbeak can escape execution. It doesn't appear that that's going to go very well. Rachel says, I'm interested. Interested in what, you say, Rachel? Um, they have another class with Trelawney in which uh, things go, you know, predictably rough for Harry until suddenly, at the very end of class, Trelawney gives, she, she kind of goes into a trance and her voice gets all strange and she gives an actual prediction, it would seem. Let me go find that. Let me go find that in the book. 
let's see. We are toward the beginning of chapter 15. Yeah, 15. Or no, this will be in 16. 16? I should be in 15. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I use this picture later on. Um, uh, let's see. Ah, uh, in the little trailer. Yeah, it's just going to be a quick little thing. I'm just going to record it right here and uh, clip it out of the video later. Okay, so chapter 15 is called the Quidditch Final. Um, so yeah, we find out about uh, the things going on with Hagrid. Um, they have, as I mentioned, another um, uh, class with Trelawney. And in this one, Hermione goes just a bit too far. She's already stressed with the things going on in school. Um, she's got a huge class load and... Trelawney pushes her just a little bit too much, um, says that she's, I believe, hopelessly mundane, something like that, and uh, she will never have a talent for for um, uh, any sort of, you know, any sort of the, uh, the predictive arts, anything like that. And Hermione straight up walks out of the class. We've never seen this before. Hermione has never uh, had much of a disagreement with a teacher, to be honest. And suddenly she's just dropping a class right there in front of everyone. Harry doesn't have much time to think about that because the entire Gryffindor house is obsessing over the coming Quidditch match. They think they've got a decent chance, but Oliver Wood is constantly hassling Harry about strategy and about, uh, you know, changes in the opposite team, etc. Harry's so much that Harry has nightmares about it. Now, they get out onto the field. Across from the Swede the uh the Swedish team. What? The Slytherin team. And realize that they've gone uh maybe for size more than skill. Everybody on their team is huge. Except Malfoy, of course. Um It uh it's a tense match. Harry can't catch the snitch too early because if he does then they won't win by enough points to take the cup he has to wait until they are i believe 150 points ahead 160 it's a very tense match and uh throughout um it it's it's an incredibly dirty game in terms of cheating. Um, the Slytherins are sort of ramping up some pressure. Um, they are... They are uh, hitting, you know, bludgers at people that they aren't supposed to be. They're committing fouls all over the place just to sort of put the Gryffindor team off their game. Um, oh. Dianelli Leslie. Is Dianelli? Is that the right way to say that? Uh, says, I've just started listening to you. Uh... And I love the way that you read. Well, thank you very much. Um, I really appreciate you joining us. You are getting right into the thick of it today. As I mentioned, we are heading into the climax of this book. Uh, the climax of The Prisoner of Azkaban. It's going to be, it's gonna be a, a big one today. 
So strap in. Um, so in the uh, back in our our review of what happened last week, um, incredibly dirty match. But Harry does it. He pulls it out in time. They've got the cup. They've won the Quidditch Cup, um, the the uh, Quidditch House Cup, and uh, Hagrid is of course very very excited. And Harry thinks as he's celebrating with the entirety of the Gryffindor house around him, and even some of the other houses um, have you know shown up in support of Gryffindor because nobody likes Slytherin right now. Uh, Harry thinks to himself, if only there had been a Dementor around. Harry felt that he could uh, he could produce the world's best Patronus with this happy memory. Maybe it'll help in the future. Help him in the future. We'll see. What are the odds that that would that uh, the whole Dementor thing would come up again? All right. Chapter sixteen, Professor Trelawney's prediction. This is where we. Uh, get back to what I mentioned before with Trelawney. Um, it says, Harry's euphoria finally uh, at finally winning the Quidditch Cup lasted at least a week. So he's riding that high. Um, there's some confusion. They get uh, a hold of a dropped copy of Hermione's exam schedule and it's not making much sense. She's got multiple exams at the same time. They're not quite sure how she's handling it all. Um, but they're in the midst of exams and some of them are going fairly well. Even the ones that Harry was worried about, he's uh, doing okay on. Of course, potions not going well. Harry thinks he might have pulled down a zero in potions, unfortunately. Speaking of zero... Oh, never mind, we're back. Nope, there it is. Yeah, speaking of zero, uh, my upgrade, upload rate has dropped, so uh, as soon as I'm not chunky again. Let me know. <laughs> All right. Defense Against the Dark Arts is their second to last exam. Um, it's kind of a, an obstacle course of different Defense Against the Dark Arts um, elements. Lupin has set up, uh, and I think this would be an incredibly fun uh, final exam to have. I imagine there's, in Defense Against the Dark Arts, it's probably a lot of of book learning and there's probably a lot of memorization to it you know you have to know counters to all these different hexes and such hexes and curses but just for the fun factor i'll bet this obstacle course would have been fantastic um harry gets full marks who to thunk it um hermione struggles with this one a little odd for her um but even more odd is the sudden appearance of Cornelius Fudge. They quickly realize why he's here, and it's not good news. He is here for the appeal. The appeal for uh, Buckbeak, and they just went ahead and brought the executioner with them. Does not bode well for how the appeal is going to go. Um... They head down there, and Harry, Ron, and Hermione all insist that they are going to go and join Hagrid. They don't want him to be alone for this. Uh, so they they arm themselves with the invisibility cloak, and they head down, um, head down to see Hagrid. Um, 
Shortly before they go down, though, this is after meeting Fudge, They uh, uh, Harry has his final exam with Professor Trelawney. It's crystal ball gazing, and Harry looks into the crystal ball and, of course, sees nothing. Trelawney's a little disappointed. She's hoping for some uh, some real horror stories, as, we, as we've seen from her in the past. Ooh, I didn't warm up today, so I'm like all... I'm all jumbled up. <laughs> um, there. There we go. Much better. I'm not going to mess up a single another time. Um... So Harry sort of winds down with his exam with Trelawney. It's a one-on-one -on -one thing. Nobody else is in the room. It's very mysterious. And uh, he's a little, little disappointed with him. He doesn't go nearly as blood and guts as she had hoped. And then suddenly he hears, It will happen tonight. Um, excuse me, what? Pardon me? Come again? Um... This is from Professor Trelawney, and she continues, in fact. She seems to be in some sort of... of trance. Her eyes start to roll, and she says, The Dark Lord lies alone and friendless, abandoned by his followers. His servant has been chained these twelve years. Tonight, before midnight, the servant will break free and set out to rejoin his master. The Dark Lord will rise again with his servant's aid, greater and more terrible than ever before. Tonight... Before midnight, the servant will set out to rejoin his master. Huh? That's a lot. And uh, suddenly she just sort of wakes up like she never said anything. Um, Harry is immensely confused, but he doesn't have a ton of time to think about it because, of course, they are going down to see Hagrid. Um, uh, Hermione runs and... Uh, grabs the uh, invisibility cloak because you might remember Harry accidentally left it underneath um, the statue with the passageway down into Hogsmeade. So she runs to grab it and she's kind of a... Uh, she's got an interesting vibe. Uh, Hermione's gone big mood as they say and she is, you know, she's she seems to be willing to break some rules um, and she seems to be very, very driven right now. She's going to help Hagrid. She doesn't care how much trouble she gets in. So, they get down to the the, uh, the hut where Hagrid lives. He is kind of... Uh, let's see. I believe the quote is, uh, He looked like a man who didn't know where he was or what to do. This helplessness was worse to watch than tears. He's not crying. He just sort of looks lost. horrible thing to see in somebody he uh they try they try to uh talk him into doing doing something different trying something and you know even going to Dumbledore but Hagrid says there's nothing more that they can do Dumbledore's done what he can he's a great man but he's done what he can for, for Hagrid at this point and he's he's uh he's resigned to what's going to happen Strangely enough, they, they suddenly find Scabbers, Scabbers the Rat. He's been lost for, let's see, uh, two chapters. Uh, I don't know what the uh, the time frame is exactly, but it was before the Quidditch match for sure. Um, and 
they just find him hiding down in Hagrid's hut in a milk jug. He is looking like he's in real rough shape. Tries to run him out the back door, and uh, they did it. Whispers Hermione. Um, they can't see anything. They just hear noises. They hear hear uh, Hagrid. They hear voices. They hear the let's see. It says the unmistakable swish and thud of an axe. And that is where we're at. Quick review. Um, and uh, yeah, my name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. And if you've got anything you'd like to discuss from the chapter, go ahead and put it in chat. Go ahead and put it in whenever you like. If there's a good spot to stop and talk about it, we will do that. Um, otherwise, I may um, hold off until the end of the chapter and we will talk about it then. Um, either, you know, between chapters or once we're done kind of whatever, you know, wherever it fits in nicely. Chapter 17. Cat, Rat, and Dog. Harry's mind had gone blank with shock. The three of them stood transfixed with horror under the invisibility cloak. The very last rays of the setting sun were casting a bloody light over the long-shadowed grounds. Then, behind them, they heard a wild howling. Hagrid, Harry muttered. Without thinking about what he was doing, he made to turn back, but both Ron and Hermione seized his arms. We can't, said Ron, who was paper white. They'll be in worse trouble if they know that we've been to see him. Hermione's breathing was shallow and uneven. they she choked how could they come on said ron whose teeth seemed to be chattering they set off back toward the castle walking slowly to keep themselves hidden under the cloak the light was fading fast now by the time they reached the open ground darkness was settling like a spell around them scabbers keep still ron hissed clamping his hand over his chest. The rat was wriggling madly. Ron came to a sudden halt, trying to force Scabbers deeper into his pocket. What's the matter with you, you stupid rat? Stay still! Ouch! He bit me! Ron, be quiet! Hermione whispered urgently. I thought he'd be out here in a minute. It won't stay put. Scabbers was plainly terrified. He was writhing with all his might, trying to break free of Ron's grip. What's the matter with him? But Harry had just seen. Slinking toward them, his body so low to the ground, wide yellow eyes glinting eerily in the darkness that he hadn't seen him before, Crookshanks. Whether he could see them or was following the sound of Scabber's squeaks, Harry couldn't tell. Crookshanks? Hermione moaned. No, go away, Crookshanks! Go away! But the cat was getting nearer. Scabbers! No! Too late. The rat had slipped between Ron's clutching fingers, hit the ground, and scampered away. In one bound, Crookshanks sprang after him, and before Harry or Hermione could stop him, Ron had thrown the invisibility cloak off himself and pelted away into the darkness.
Run! Hermione moaned. She and Harry looked at each other and followed at a sprint. It was impossible to run full out under the cloak. They pulled it off and they streamed behind and it streamed behind them like a banner as they hurtled after Ron. They could hear his feet thundering along ahead and his shouts at Crookshanks. Get away from him! Get away! Scabbers! Come here! There was a loud thud. Gotcha! Get off, you stinking cat! Harry and Hermione almost fell over Ron. He skidded to a stop right in front of him. He was sprawled on the ground, but Scabbers was back in his pocket. He had both hands held tight over the quivering lump. Ron! Come on! Back under the cloak! Hermione panted. Dumbledore! The minister, they'll be coming out in a minute! But before they could cover themselves again, before they could even catch their breath, they heard the soft pounding of gigantic paws. Something was bounding toward them out of the dark. An enormous, pale-eyed, jet-black dog. Harry reached for his wand, but too late. The dog made an enormous leap, and the front paws hit him on the chest. He keeled over backward with a whirl of hair and felt his hot breath, saw inch-long teeth. But the force of its leap had carried it too far. It rolled off him. Dazed, feeling as though his ribs were broken, Harry tried to stand up. He could hear it growling as it skidded around for a new attack. Ron was on his feet. As the dog sprang back toward them, he pushed Harry aside. The dog's jaws fashioned, fastened instead around Ron's outstretched arm. Harry lunged forward, seized a handful of the brute's hair, but it was dragging Ron away as easily as though he were a rag doll. Then, out of nowhere, something hit Harry so hard across the face he was knocked off his feet again. He heard Hermione shriek with pain and fall too. Harry groped for his wand, blinking blood out of his eyes. Lumos, he whispered. The wand light showed him the trunk of a thick tree. They had chased scabbers into the shadow of the whomping willow, and its branches were creaking as though a high wind. Uh, as though in a high wind, whipping backward and forward to stop them from going nearer. And there, at the base of the trunk, was the dog, dragging Ron backward into a large gap in the roots. Ron was fighting furiously, but his head and torso were slipping out of sight. Ron! Harry shouted, trying to follow, but a heavy branch whipped lethally through the air, and he was forced backward again. All they could see now was one of Ron's legs, which he had hooked around a root in an effort to stop the dog from dragging him further underground. But a horrible crack cut the air like a gunshot. Ron's leg had broken, and a moment later, his foot vanished from sight. Harry! We've got to go for help! Hermione gasped. She was bleeding, too. The willow had cut her across the shoulder. No, that thing's big enough to eat him! We haven't got time! We're never going to get through without help! Another branch whipped down at them. Twigs clenched like knuckles. If that dog can get in, we can, Harry panted, darting here and there, trying to find a way through the vicious, swinging branches. But he couldn't get an inch nearer to the roots without being in range of the tree's blows. Help! Help! Hermione whispered frantically, dancing uncertainly on the spot. Please! Crookshanks darted forward. 
He slithered between the battered branches like a snake and placed his front paw upon a knot on the trunk. Abruptly, as though the tree had been turned into marble, it stopped moving. Not a leaf twitched or shook. Crookshanks? Hermione whispered uncertainly. She now grasped Harry's arm painfully hard. How did he know? He's friends with that dog, said Harry grimly. I've seen them together. Come on, and keep your wand out. They covered the distance to the trunk in seconds, but before they had reached the gap in the roots, Crookshanks had slid into it with a flick of his bottle-brush tail. Harry went next. He crawled forward, head first, and slid down an earthy slope to the bottom of a very low tunnel. Crookshanks was a little way along, his eyes flashing in the light from Harry's wand. Seconds later, Hermione slithered down beside him. Where's Ron? She whispered in a terrified voice. This way, said Harry, setting off, bent backed after Crookshanks. Where does this tunnel come out? Hermione asked breathlessly from behind him. I don't know. It's marked on the Marauder's map, but Fred and George said that no one's ever gotten into it. It goes off the edge of the map, but it looks like it ends up in Hogsmeade. They moved as fast as they could, bent almost double. Ahead of them, Crookshanks's tail bobbed in and out of view. On and on went the passage. Not at least as long as, one, as the one to Honeydukes. All Harry could think was with Ron and what that enormous dog might be doing to him. He was drawing breath in sharp, painful gasps, running at a crouch. And then the tunnel began to rise. Moments later, it twisted and Crookshanks had gone. Instead, Harry could see a patch of dim light through a small opening. He and Hermione paused, gasping for breath, edging forward. Both raised their wands to see what lay beyond. It was a room. A very disordered and dusty room. Paper was peeling from the walls. There were stains all over the floor. Every piece of furniture was broken, as though somebody had smashed it. The windows were all boarded up. Harry glanced at Hermione, who looked very frightened, but nodded. Harry pulled himself out of the hole, staring around. The room was deserted, but a door to their right stood open, leading to a shadowy hallway. Hermione suddenly grabbed Harry's arm again. Her wide eyes were traveling around the boarded windows. Harry? She whispered. I think we're in the Shrieking Shack. Harry looked around. His eyes fell on the wooden chair in front of them. Large chunks had been torn out of it. One of the legs had been ripped off entirely. Ghosts didn't do that, he said slowly. At that moment there was a creak overhead. Something had moved upstairs. Both of them looked up at the ceiling. 
Hermione's grip on Harry's arm was so tight he was losing feeling in his fingers. He raised his eyebrows at her. She nodded again and let go. Quietly as they could, they crept out into the hall and up the crumbling staircase. Everything was covered in a thick layer of dust except the floor, where a wide, shiny stripe had been made by something being dragged upstairs. They reached the dark landing. Knox, they whispered together, and the lights at the end of their wands went out. Only one door was open. As they crept toward it, they heard movement from behind it, a low moan and then a deep, loud purring. They exchanged a last look, a last nod. Wand held tightly before him, Harry kicked the door wide open. On a magnificent four-poster bed with dusty hangings lay Crookshanks, purring loudly at the sight of them. On the floor beside him, clutching his leg, which stuck out at a strange angle, was Ron. Harry and Hermione dashed across to him. Ron, are you okay? Where's the dog? <sighs> Not a dog, Ron moaned. His teeth were gritted in pain. Harry... It's a trap. What? He's the dog. He's an animagus. Ron was staring over Harry's shoulder. Harry wheeled around. With a snap, the man in the shadows closed the door behind them. A mass of filthy, matted hair hung to his elbows. If eyes hadn't been shining out of the deep, dark sockets, he might have been a corpse. The waxy skin was stretched so tightly over the bones of his face it looked like a skull. His yellow teeth were bared in a grin. It was serious black. Expelliarmus! He croaked, pointing Ron's wand at them. Harry and Hermione's wands shot out of their hands, high into the air, and Black caught them. Then he took a step closer. His eyes were fixed on Harry. I thought you'd come and help your friend he said hoarsely. His voice sounded as though he had long since lost the habit of using it. Your father would have done the same for me. Brave of you not to run for a teacher. I'm grateful. It'll make everything much easier. The taunt about his father rang in Harry's ears as though Black had bellowed it. A boiling hate erupted in Harry's chest leaving no place for fear. For the first time in his life, he wanted his wand back in his hand, not to defend himself, but to attack. To kill. Without knowing what he was doing, he started forward, but there was a sudden movement on either side of him as two pairs of hands grabbed him and held him back. No, Harry! Hermione gasped in a petrified whisper. Ron, however, spoke to Black. If you want to kill Harry, you'll have to kill us too. He said fiercely, though the effort of standing upright was draining him of still more color, and he swayed slightly as he spoke. Something flickered in Black's shadowed eyes. Lie down, he said quietly to Ron. You'll damage that leg even more. Did you hear me? Ron said weakly. 
He was clinging painfully to Harry to stay upright. You'll have to kill all three of us. There'll be only one murder here tonight, said Black, and his grin widened. Why's that? Harry spat, trying to wrench himself free of Ron and Hermione. You didn't care last time, didn't you? Didn't mind slaughtering all those muggles to get at Pettigrew. What's the matter, gone soft in Azkaban? Harry, Hermione whimpered, be quiet. He killed my mum and dad, Harry roared, and with a huge effort he broke free of Hermione and Ron's restraint and lunged forward. He'd forgotten about magic. He'd forgotten that he was short and skinny and thirteen, whereas Black was a tall, full-grown man. All Harry knew was that he wanted to hurt Black so badly, as badly as he could, and that he didn't care how much hurt he got in return. Perhaps it was the shock of Harry doing something so stupid, but Black didn't raise the wand this time. One of Harry's hands fastened over his wasted wrist, forcing the wand tips away. The knuckles of Harry's other hand collided with the side of Black's head, and they fell backward into the wall. Hermione was screaming. Ron was yelling. There was a blinding flash of the wands in Black's hand, and they sent a spark of uh, a jet of sparks into the air that missed Harry's face by inches. Harry felt the shrunken arm under his fingers, twisting madly, but he clung on, his other hand punching every part of Black it could find. But Black's free hand had found Harry's throat. No, he hissed. I've waited too long. The fingers tightened. Harry choked, his glasses askew. Then he saw Hermione's foot swing out of nowhere. Black let go of Harry with a grunt of pain. Ron had thrown himself on Black's wand hand, and Harry heard a faint clatter. He fought free of the tangled bodies and saw his own wand rolling across the floor. He threw himself toward it, but... Ah! Crookshanks had joined the fray. Both sets of front claws had sunk themselves deep into Harry's arm. Harry threw him off, but Crookshanks now darted toward Harry's wand. No, you don't! roared Harry, and he aimed a kick at Crookshanks that made the cat leap aside, spitting. Harry snatched up his wand and turned. Get out of the way! he shouted at Ron and Hermione. They didn't need telling twice. Hermione, gasping for breath, her lip bleeding, scrambled aside. Snatching up her and Ron's wands, Ron crawled to the four-poster and collapsed onto it, panting, his white face now tinged with green, both hands clutching his broken leg. Black was sprawled at the bottom of the wall. His thin chest rose and fell rapidly as he watched Harry walking slowly nearer, his wand pointing straight at Black's heart. Going to kill me, Harry, he whispered. Harry stopped right above him, his wand still pointing at Black's chest, looking down at him. A livid bruise was raised around Black's left eye and his nose was bleeding. You killed my parents, said Harry his voice shaking slightly, but his wand hand quite steady. Black stared up at him out of those sunken eyes. I don't deny it, he said very quietly. 
But if you knew the whole story... The whole story, Harry repeated, a furious pounding in his ears. You sold them to Voldemort, that's all I need to know. You've got to listen to me, Black said, and there was a note of urgency in his voice now. You'll regret it if you don't. You don't understand. I understand a lot better than you think, said Harry, and his voice shook more than ever. You never heard her, did you? My mum, trying to stop Voldemort killing me. And you did that, you did it. Before either of them could say another word, something ginger streaked past Harry. Crookshank slept onto Black's chest and settled himself there, right over Black's heart. Black blinked and looked down at the cat. Get off, he murmured, trying to push Crookshanks off of him. But Crookshanks sank his claws into Black's robes and wouldn't shift. He turned his ugly, squashed face to Harry and looked up at him with those great yellow eyes. To his right, Hermione gave a sob. Sorry about that, T.L. watching. Had the internet go down momentarily. Harry stared down at Black and Crookshanks. Let me know if I need to go back further than this. Harry stared down at Black and Crookshanks, his grip tightening on the wand. So what if he had to kill the cat, too? It was in league with Black. If it was prepared to die trying to protect Black, that wasn't Harry's business. If Black wanted to save it, it only proved he cared more for Crookshanks than Harry's parents. Harry raised the wand. Now was the moment to do it. Now was the moment to avenge his mother and father. He was going to kill Black. He had to kill Black. This was his chance. The seconds lengthened. And still... Harry stood frozen there. Wand poised, Black staring up at him, Crookshanks on his chest. Ron's ragged breathing came from the bed. Hermione was quite still. And then came a new sound. Muffled footsteps were echoing through the floor. Someone was moving downstairs. We're up here! Hermione screamed suddenly. We're up here! Sirius Black! Quick! Black made a startled movement that almost dislodged Crookshanks. Harry gripped the wand convulsively. Do it now, said a voice in his head, but the Crookshanks... What? But the footsteps were thundering up the stairs, and Harry still hadn't done it. The door of the room burst open in a shower of red sparks, and Harry wheeled around as Professor Lupin came hurtling into the room, his face bloodless, his wand raised and ready. His eyes flickered over Ron lying on the floor, over Hermione, cowering next to the door, to Harry, standing there with his wand covering Black, and then to Black himself, crumpled and bleeding at Harry's feet. Expelliarmus, Lupin shouted. Harry's wand flew once more out of his hand, so did the two Hermione was holding. Lupin caught them all deftly, then moved into the room, staring at Black, who still had Crookshanks lying protectively across his chest. Harry stood there, 
feeling suddenly empty. He hadn't done it. His nerve had failed him. Black was going to be handed back to the Dementors. Then Lupin spoke in an odd voice. A voice that shook with some suppressed emotion. Where is he, Sirius? Harry looked quickly at Lupin. He didn't understand what Lupin meant. Who was Lupin talking about? He turned to look at Black again. Black's face was quite expressionless. For a few seconds, he didn't move at all. Then, very slowly, he raised his empty hand and pointed straight at Ron. Mystified, Harry glanced around at Ron, who looked bewildered. But then, Lupin muttered, staring at Black so intently it seemed he was trying to read his mind. Why hasn't he shared himself before now? Unless... Lupin's eyes suddenly widened, as though he was seeing something beyond Black, something none of the rest could see. Unless... he was the one. Unless you switched. Without telling me. Very slowly, his sunken gaze never leaving Lupin's face, Black nodded. Professor! Harry interrupted loudly. What's going on? But he never finished the question, because what he saw made his voice die in his throat. Lupin was lowering his wand gazing fixedly at Black. The professor walked to Black's side, seized his hand, pulled him to his feet so that Crookshanks fell to the floor, and embraced Black like a brother. Harry felt as though the bottom had dropped out of his stomach. I don't believe it! Hermione screamed. Lupin let go of Black and turned to her. She had raised herself off the floor and was pointing at Lupin, wild-eyed. You! You! Hermione? You and him! Hermione, calm down. I didn't tell anyone! She shrieked. I've been covering up for you! Hermione, please listen to me. Please! Lupin shouted. I can explain. Harry could feel himself shaking. Not with fear, but with a fresh wave of fury. I trusted you! He shouted at Lupin. His voice, his voice wavering out of control. And all the time you've been his friend. You're wrong, said Lupin. I haven't been Sirius's friend, but I am now. Let me explain. No! Hermione screamed. Harry, don't trust him. He's been helping Black get into the castle. He wants you dead, too. He's a werewolf! There was a ringing silence. Everyone's eyes were now on Lupin, who looked remarkably calm, though rather pale. Not at all up to your usual standard, Hermione, he said. Only one out of three, I'm afraid. 
I have not been helping Sirius get into the castle, and I certainly don't want Harry dead. An odd shiver passed over his face. But I won't deny that I am a werewolf. Harry made a valiant effort to get up again, but fell back with a whimper of pain. Lupin made toward him, looking concerned, but Ron gasped. Get away from me, werewolf! Lupin stopped dead. Then, with an obvious effort, he turned to Hermione and said, How long have you known? Ages, Hermione whispered. Since I did Professor Snape's essay. You'll be delighted, said Lupin coolly. He assigned that essay, hoping that someone would realize what my symptoms meant. Did you check the lunar chart and realize I was always ill at the full moon? Or did you realize that the Bogart changed into the moon when it saw me? Both? Hermione said quietly. Lupin forced a laugh. <laughs> you are the cleverest witch of your age that I have ever met, Hermione. I'm not, Hermione whispered. If I'd been a bit cleverer, I'd have told everyone what you are. But they already know, said Lupin. At least the staff do. Dumbledore hired you when he knew that you were a werewolf, Ron gasped. Is he mad? Some of the staff thought so, said Lupin. I had to work very hard to convince certain teachers that I'm trustworthy. And he was wrong, Harry yelled. You've been helping him all the time! He was pointing at Black, who suddenly crossed to the four-poster bed and sank onto it, his face hidden in one shaking hand. Crookshanks leapt up beside him and stepped onto his lap, purring. Ron edged away from both of them, dragging his leg. I have not been helping Sirius, said Lupin. If you'll give me a chance, I'll explain. Look. He separated Harry's, Ron's, and Hermione's wands, and threw each back to his owner. Back to its owner. Harry caught his, stunned. There, said Lupin, sticking his own wand back into his belt. You're armed, we're not. Now will you listen? Harry didn't know what to think. Was it a trick? If you haven't been helping him, he said, with a furious glance at Black, how did you know he was here? Uh, the map, said Lupin. The Marauder's map, it was in my office. I was examining it. You know how to work it? Harry said suspiciously. Of course I know how to work it said Lupin, waving his hand impatiently. I helped to write it. I'm Mooney. That was my friend's nickname for me at school. You wrote? The important thing is, I was watching it carefully this evening, because I had an idea that you, Ron, and Hermione might try and sneak out of the castle to visit Hagrid before his hippogriff was executed. And I was right, wasn't I? It started to pace up and down, looking at them. Little patches of dust rose at his feet. 
You might have been wearing your father's old cloak, Harry. How do you know about the cloak? The number of times I saw James disappearing under it, said Lupin, waving an impatient hand again. The point is, even if you are wearing an invisibility cloak, you still show up on the Marauder's map. I watched you cross the grounds and enter Hagrid's hut. Twenty minutes later, you left Hagrid and set off back toward the castle. But you are now accompanied by someone else. What? said Harry. No, we weren't. I couldn't believe my eyes, said Lupin, still pacing and ignoring Harry's interruption. I thought the map must be malfunctioning. How could he be with you? No one was with us, said Harry. Then I saw another dot moving fast toward you, labelled Sirius Black. I saw him collide with you. I watched as he pulled the two of you onto the Whomping Willow. One of us, Ron said angrily. No, Ron, said Lupin. Two of you. He had stopped his pacing, his eyes moving over Ron. Do you think that I could have a look at that rat? He said evenly. What? said Ron. What's Scabbers got to do with it? Everything, said Lupin. Could I see him, please? Ron hesitated and put a hand inside his robes. Scabbers emerged, thrashing desperately. Ron had to seize his long, bald tail to stop him escaping. Crookshank stood up on Black's leg and made a soft hissing noise. Lupin moved closer to Ron. He seemed to be holding his breath as he gazed intently at Scabbers. What? Ron said again, holding Scabbers close to him, looking scared. What's my rat got to do with anything? That's not a rat, croaked Sirius Black suddenly. What do you mean? Of course he's a rat. No, he's not, said Lupin quietly. He's a wizard. An animagus, said Black, by the name of Peter Pettigrew. <sighs> That's the end of the chapter. Wonderful people, if you've got anything you'd like to talk about, go ahead and put it into the chat. I would love to discuss it. Anything new we've learned, which uh, we just got a huge bomb dropped on us right there. Um, any new people we've, we, uh, we've come to meet, anything that happens, any questions you've got, I would love to discuss it. Um, we are between chapters. As I mentioned, next chapter, pretty short. Chapter 18 is a pretty short one. Um, but in the interim, I am going to take a quick break. I'm going to take a quick five-minute break, and I will be back. Um, and then we'll do a, a quick review of what happened in that chapter for anybody just coming in. And then we're going to move on and read chapter 18. Um, just a moment. Now... 
we've got some uh, very interesting new news. Assuming they're telling the truth. Um, it seems there has been a lot more at work in the world than Harry ever realized there was. Um, and certainly a bit more to one of his teachers than he realized. We'll see how it pans out for him. But I do want to reiterate um, quickly before I uh, go um, on my break. I know there were some audio issues and then there were streaming issues. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, a number of things that prevented possibly y'all from hearing what, uh, what, I, what was going on when I held up that, that egg. So I'm just going to reiterate one more time. Just a moment. Now, as some of you are aware, especially if you were here last week, um, we are in the midst of an interesting project. I have this. This is called a cantrip candle. I have this. This is called the egg, what the heck? The egg of a Ukrainian iron belly. This is a dragon egg. It was sent to me by Charlie Weasley. And I'm in the process of using this magical candle. But um, uh, maybe not so much on the, uh, the up and up, as it were. Look, it's hard to get, as a muggle, it's hard to get magical items. People like uh, um, Ron's dad, just they're good at their jobs, you know? Uh, don't tell anyone. Ultimately, I think it's harmless. But this candle is designed to emulate the conditions of the nest of Ukrainian iron belly. Now, I don't know what Ukrainian iron belly moms are like, but uh, this thing is crazy hot. It doesn't stop burning. And I just wanted to give you a quick update on sort of the status of this egg hatching project. I haven't noticed any wobbling. I haven't heard any cracking. But I have noticed one odd thing. This thing has gotten very, very warm. Um, in fact, when I put it under water, it bubbles and steams like it's boiling and it just doesn't stop. Doesn't matter how cold the water is, doesn't matter how long I leave it in there, it just keeps going. So, I'm encouraged. I don't know what's going on in there. I've done whatever research I could, but like I said, it's hard for a muggle to get his hands on this kind of info. Um, but, I am encouraged. So, that's our weekly update on the Ukrainian Iron Belly Egg. Um, I will, of course, keep you updated as uh, anything changes. We'll check in again about it next week. Um, so, I am going to take a quick break, five minutes, um, and I will be right back. If you've got anything you'd like to talk about, feel free to put it in chat while I am away, and uh, we will commence with the next chapter very shortly. Hello there, we are back. Howdy. Who's ready for chapter 18? I am. So, quick review. Um, again, if you've got anything you'd like to talk about, go ahead and put it in chat. Uh, last chapter, the one we just read, um, Harry, Ron, and Hermione have just heard, not seen, but heard the, uh, the execution of the hippogriff. As they are going back to the castle, they are waylaid by um, <clears throat> uh, Crookshanks the cat. Um, after uh, Ron, uh, excuse me, Hermione found 
Scabbers the rat in an old milk jug in Hagrid's place, oddly enough. They're walking back up to the castle. They get waylaid by the cat, and suddenly the grim that Harry's been seeing around. The giant black dog appears and drags Ron into the Whomping Willow. There's a passage under there. Underneath the Whomping Willow, they, they manage to make their way um, all the way through to the Shrieking Shack down near Hogsmeade and find Sirius Black is there. He has been the dog the whole time. Um, he is a... Uh, an animagus. He can change his form into a dog. Um, as you guys may remember, uh, Professor McGonagall has a similar ability as a cat. Um, and uh, they find Sirius Black there um, in a fury. He has not, he was not treated well in Azkaban. Um, his life has been terrible. And Harry is furious with him. Because this is the man that has that uh, that killed Harry's parents, and he even says, "You know, you killed my parents." And Sirius Black says, "I don't deny it, but let me explain." Or he doesn't give him a chance. He is stand. He stands over Black. They they manage to quickly um, overpower him between the three of them, and uh, Harry stands over him with his wand, ready to kill Black, but doesn't do it. And they hear footsteps downstairs. Remember, there are upstairs in the Shrieking Shack. They hear footsteps downstairs. It's Professor Lupin. And to everyone's shock, he comes in and disarms Harry. And gives Sirius Black a big old hug. Uh, they talk to each other kind of cryptically for a moment. Um, before this discussion lands on two things. First of all, Lupin's a werewolf. Now, Hermione also accuses him of helping Sirius Black get into the castle, uh, you know, being, being uh, Sirius Black's friend, and Lupin denies those things. Except he says that he's Sirius Black's friend now. Um, the second issue is uh, Scabbers the Rat. As the chapter comes to a close, in fact, it's the last lines of the chapter, Lupin says, Lupin and, and Sirius Black say, the rat is not a rat. It's a wizard named Peter Pettigrew. That's where we're at. All right, we're going to get started on the next chapter. This is going to be the last chapter for tonight. Like I said, it's a bit of a short one, but we're at a good stage right now. You know, I have, uh, I've got just north of 30 su subscribers. And so I, you know, who knows if these people are even real people. Um, I know uh, Ellie was here earlier. Ellie Leslie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, but I think it's a good time. I'd like to uh, give a shout out to my new subscribers. Um, in January, we've got uh, Sydney Huff, um, Dark Thirty Eight Thirteen, uh, Austin Ray, LCE, and Mariah Robinson. So thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate you coming on, and I hope you have enjoyed uh, what we've been doing here so far. So, now, the final chapter for the night. Chapter 18. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. It 
It took a few seconds for the absurdity of the statement to sink in. Then Ron voiced what Harry was thinking. You're both mental. Ridiculous, said Hermione faintly. Peter Pettigrew is dead, said Harry. He killed him twelve years ago. He pointed at Black, whose face twitched convulsively. I meant to, he growled, his yellow teeth bared. Little Peter got the better of me. Not this time, though. And Crookshanks was thrown to the floor as Black lunged at Scabbers. Ron yelled with pain as Black's weight fell upon his broken leg. Serious, no! Lupin yelled, launching himself forward and dragging Black away from Ron again. Wait. You can't just do it like that. They need to understand. We've got to explain. We can explain afterwards, snarled Black, trying to throw Lupin off. One hand was still clawing at the air as he tried to reach Scabbers, who was squealing like a piglet, scratching Ron's face and neck as he tried to escape. They've got a right to know everything, Lupin panted, still trying to restrain Black. Ron's kept him as a pet. There are parts of it I don't even understand. And Harry, you owe Harry the truth, Sirius. Black stopped struggling, though his hollowed eyes were still fixed on Scabbers, who was clamped tightly under Ron's bitten, scratched, and bleeding hands. All right, then, Black said, without taking his eyes off the rat. Tell them whatever you like. But make it quick, Sirius. I want to commit the murder I was in prison for. You're nutters, both of you, said Ron shakily, looking around at Harry and Ron. Oh, at Harry and Hermione for support. I've had enough of this. I'm off. He tried to heave himself up on his good leg, but Lupin raised his wand again, pointing it at Scabbers. You're going to hear me out, Ron said quietly. Just keep a tight hold on Peter while you listen. He's not Peter, he's Scabbers, yelled Ron, trying to force the rat back into his front pocket, but Scabbers was fighting too hard. Ron swayed and overbalanced, and Harry caught him and pushed him back down to the bed. Then, ignoring Black, Harry turned to Lupin. There were witnesses who saw Peter Pettigrew die, he said, a whole street full of them. They didn't see what they thought they saw, said Black savagely, still watching Scabbers struggling in Ron's hands. Everyone thought Sirius killed Peter, said Lupin, nodding. I believed it myself, until I saw the map tonight. Because the Marauder's map never lies. Peter's alive. Ron's holding him, Harry. Harry looked down at Ron, and as their eyes met, they agreed silently. Black and Lupin were both out of their minds. Their story made no sense whatsoever. How could Scabbers be Peter Pettigrew? Azkaban must have unhinged Black after all, but why was Lupin playing along with him? And Hermione spoke, in a trembling would-be-calm sort of voice, as though trying to will Professor Lupin to talk sensibly. But, Professor Lupin, Scabbers can't be Pettigrew. 
It just can't be true. You know it can't. Rachel's asking who told Black to tell the truth. Hmm. Um, Lupin. Yeah, Lupin insists that... I, I, I know that sometimes when the tensions are high, uh, Lupin's voice and Harry's voice sometimes sound similar. Uh, so I do apologize, but uh, yeah, Lupin is the sort of lazy one, and Harry's is... More tight, more forward. More urgent. A little raspier. <laughs> And Lupin is a bit more bored, a bit uh, more exhausted. But yeah, Lupin is insisting that Black tells Harry the truth, tells Ron the truth, um, before they do anything as drastic as they seem to intend to. But Professor Lupin... Um, oh, another question from Rachel. Who was Peter Pettigrew? Um, <laughs> I love that, Rachel. She she says, who was Peter P-E-T-I dot dot dot. I don't know how to spell his last name. That's fair. It's P-E-T-T-I-G-R-E-W. Pettigrew. Um, Peter Pettigrew was one of um, one of James Potter's old friends from back in school. So was Lupin. So was Black. Um, they were kind of the group. Um, but uh, a long time ago, uh, Harry learned that... Well, I guess it would have been a matter of months, but uh, Harry learned that um, Peter Pettigrew, kind of the, the, the weakest of the four of them, tried to confront Black after Black turned Harry's parents over to Voldemort and Black murdered Pettigrew in the street. All that was left was his pinky. Professor Lupin, Scabbers can't be Pettigrew. It just can't be true. You know that it can't. Why can't it be true? Lupin said calmly, as though they were in class and Hermione had simply spotted a problem in an experiment with Grindylows. Because... Because people would know if Peter Pettigrew had been an animagus. We did Animagi in class with Professor McGonagall, and I locked them up when I did my homework. The Ministry of Magic keeps tabs on witches and wizards who can become animals. There's a register showing what animal they become and their markings and things. And I went and looked Professor McGonagall up on the register, and there have only been seven Animagi this century, and Pettigrew's name wasn't on the list. So Rachel asks, So the boy knew all along, and he didn't tell Harry. There's, uh, there's one complaint about Lupin. This might be it. We'll get into that a little bit more later on. Don't you worry. Harry had barely the time to marvel inwardly at the effort Hermione had put into her homework when Lupin started to laugh. Right again, Hermione, he said. But the Ministry never knew that there used to be three unregistered Animagi running around Hogwarts. If you're gonna tell them the story, get a move on, Remus, snarled Black, 
who was still watching Scabber's very desperate attempts to move. I've waited twelve years. I'm not going to wait much longer. All right, but you'll need to help me, Sirius, said Lupin. I only know how it began. Lupin broke off. There had been a loud creak behind him. The bedroom door had opened of its own accord. All five of them stared at it. Then Lupin strode toward it and looked out onto the landing. No one there. This place is haunted, said Ron. It's not, said Lupin, still looking at the door in a puzzled way. The shrieking shack was never haunted. The screams and howls the villagers used to hear were made by me. He pushed his graying hair out of his eyes, thought for a moment, and then said, That is where all of this starts, with my becoming a werewolf. None of this could have happened if I hadn't been bitten, if I hadn't been so foolhardy. He looked sober and tired. Ron stuttered to interrupt, but Hermione said, Shh! She was watching Lupin very intently. I was a very small boy when I received the bite. My parents tried everything, but in those days there was no cure. The potion that Professor Snape has been making for me is a very recent discovery. It makes me safe, you see. As long as I take it, the week preceding the full moon, I keep my mind when I transform. I'm able to curl up in my office, a harmless wolf, and wait for the moon to wane again. Before the wolfbane potion was discovered, however, I became a fully-fledged monster once a month. It seemed impossible that I would be able to come to Hogwarts. Other parents weren't likely to want their children exposed to me, but then Dumbledore became headmaster and he was sympathetic. He said that as long as we took certain precautions there was no reason I shouldn't come to school. Lupin sighed and looked directly at Harry. I told you months ago that the Whomping Widow was planted the year I came to Hogwarts. The truth is that it was planted because I came to Hogwarts. This house... Lupin looked miserably around the room. The tunnel that leads to it... They were built for my use. Once a month I was smuggled out of the castle, into this place, to transform. The tree was placed at the tunnel mouth to stop anyone coming across me while I was dangerous. Harry couldn't see where this story was going, but he was listening raptly all the same. The only sound apart from Lupin's voice was Scabra's frightened squeaking. My transformations in those days were... were terrible. It was very painful to turn into a werewolf. I was separated from humans to bite, so I bit and scratched myself instead. The 
villagers heard the noise and the screaming and thought they were hearing particularly violent spirits. Dumbledore encouraged the rumour, even now. When the house has been silent for years, the villagers don't dare approach it. But apart from my transformations, I was happier than I had ever been in my life. For the first time ever, I had friends. Three great friends. Sirius Black, Peter Pettigrew, and, of course, your father, Harry. James Potter. Now, my three friends could hardly fail to notice that I disappeared once a month. I made up all sorts of stories. I told them that my mother was ill, that I'd gone home to see her. I was terrified that they would desert me the moment they found out what I was, but, of course, they, like you, Hermione, worked out the truth. And they didn't desert me at all. Instead, they did something for me that would make my transformations not only bearable, but the best times of my life. They became animagi. My dad, too? said Harry, astounded. Rachel asked, so did Lupin need to transform every once in a while? Yes, they did, and I apologize, the, the delay's at f about 40 seconds now, so you're probably coming up on that right now. My dad, too? said Harry, astounded. Yes, indeed, said Lupin. It took them the best part of three years to work out how to do it. Your father and Sirius were the cleverest students in the school, and lucky they were because the Animagus transformation can go horribly wrong. One reason the Ministry keeps a close watch on those attempting to do it. Peter needed all the help he could get from James and Sirius. Finally, in our fifth year, they managed it. They could each turn into a different animal at will. But how did that help you? said Hermione, sounding puzzled. They couldn't keep me company as humans, so they kept me company as animals, said Lupin. A werewolf is only a danger to people. They sneaked out of the castle every month under James's invisibility cloak. They transformed. Peter, as the smallest, could slip beneath the willow's attacking branches and touch the knot that freezes it. They would then slip down the tunnel and join me. Under their influence, I became less dangerous. My body was still wolfish, but my mind seemed to become less so when I was with them. Hurry up, Remus, snarled Black, who was still watching Scabbers with a horrible sort of hunger on his face. I'm getting there, Sirius. I'm getting there. Well... Highly exciting possibilities were open to us now that we could all transform. Soon we were leaving the Shrieking Shack and roaming the school grounds and the village by night. Sirius and James transformed into such large animals they were able to keep a werewolf in check. I doubt whether any Hogwarts students ever found out more about the Hogwarts grounds and Hogsmeade than we did. That's how we came to write the Marauder's Map and sign it with our nicknames. Sirius is Padfoot, Peter is Wormtail, James was Prongs. 
What sort of animal? Harry began, but cut him off. That was still really dangerous. Running up and down in the dark with a werewolf. What if you'd given the others a slip and bitten somebody? It is a thought that still haunts me, said Lupin heavily, and there were near misses, many of them. We laughed about them afterwards. We were young, thoughtless, carried away with our own cleverness. I sometimes felt guilty about betraying Dumbledore's trust, of course. He had, he had admitted me to Hogwarts when no other headmaster would have done so. And he had no idea I was breaking the rules he had set down for my own and others' safety. He never knew that I had led three fellow students into becoming animagi illegally. And I always managed to forget my own guilty feelings every time we sat down to plan our next month's adventure. And I haven't changed. Lupin's face had hardened, and there was self-disgust in his voice. All this year I've been battling with myself, wondering whether I should tell Dumbledore that Sirius was an animagus. Animagus. I didn't do it. Why? Because I was too cowardly. I, it would have meant admitting that I'd betrayed his trust while I was at school. Admitting I'd led others along with me. And Dumbledore's trust has meant everything to me. He let me into Hogwarts as a boy, and he gave me a job when I'd been shunned all of my adult life, unable to find paid work because of what I am. And so I convinced myself that Sirius was getting into the school using dark arts he learned from Voldemort. That being an animagus had nothing to do with it, so... In a way, Snape's been right about me all along. Snape, said Black harshly, taking his eyes off Scabbers for the first time in minutes and looking up at Lupin. What's Snape got to do with it? He's here, Sirius, said Lupin heavily. He's teaching here as well. He looked up at Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Professor Snape was at school with us. He fought very hard against my appointment to the Defense Against the Dark Arts job. He's been telling Dumbledore all year that I am not to be trusted. He has his reasons. You see... Sirius here played a trick on him, which nearly killed him. A trick which involved me. Black made a derisive noise. It served him right, he sneered. Sneaking around trying to find out what we were up to. Hoping he can get us expelled. Severus was very interested in where I went every month, Lupin told Harry, Ron, and Hermione. We were in the same year, you know, and we, we didn't like each other very much. He especially disliked James. Jealous, I think, of James's talent on the Quidditch field. Anyway, Snape had seen me crossing the grounds with Madame Pomfrey. One evening, as she led me toward the Whomping Willow to transform. Snape thought it would be... Oh, excuse me. Sirius thought it would be 
uh, amusing to tell Snape that all he had to do was prod the knot on the tree trunk with a long stick and he'd be able to get in after me. Well, of course, Snape tried it. If he got as far as this house, he'd never met a fully grown werewolf. But your father, who'd heard, who'd heard what Sirius had done, went after Snape and pulled him back, at great risk to his life. Snape glimpsed me, though, at the end of the tunnel. He was forbidden by Dumbledore to tell anyone, but from that time on, he knew what I was. So that's why Snape doesn't like you, said Harry slowly. Because he thought that you were in on the joke. That's right, sneered a cold voice from the wall behind Lupin. Severus Snape was pulling off the invisibility cloak, his wand pointing directly at Lupin. And that is another cliffhanger for this week. Sorry. Hate to leave it there. Hate to leave you dangling like that, but that is where we end this week. That's the end of chapter 18. <whistles> Big revelations. You know, we've had over the past few books, um, sort of bits and pieces here and there about Harry's past, about his parents, um, but it's really never gone back much before Harry's birth. You know, we learned a bit about Voldemort. We don't know much about, you know, um, we've, we've learned a little bit about how he's kind of connected with Harry. Um, you know, just the, the event that happened the night Harry's parents died. We just don't know a lot about the things that happened before Harry was born. Now we're getting a lot of information at once. We learn a whole lot about Harry's dad, about uh, his relationships with his friends. Um, it's been a wild night for Harry. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. And um, I think while we're here, I think it would be good to take a quick opportunity to, um, I don't know, to, to like I said, record... Um, a little quick uh trailer for for this for for this thing that we do here <laughs> um i'm not sure how i want to set that up i think i might want to hmm maybe i'll make that disappear and i'll make that disappear is this too empty how weird does this look right now just me with my big goofy face. Oh. Tell you what, let's give it a shot. Let's see how this looks. And like I said, I'm just going to, uh, I think, clip out this, uh, this video later. What is this for? Oh. Surprise. That, by the way, is roughly what my screen looks like when uh, when I'm recording. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do it in like 15 seconds. What's gonna be a good way to time this? Let's see. I want like a a good 15 second one because um, you can actually I can I can set these to um, uh, I I don't know how often they appear, but essentially I can set these such that they will appear in front of other people's videos uh, on on a very small occasion. 
is something that YouTube does, I guess, to kind of try and spread the uh, uh, spread the news about interesting channels, interesting small stuff. So I'm going to take out my timer so that I can uh, gauge how long I'm taking here. Stopwatch. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Let's see, maybe my face could be bigger. Okay. My face could be bigger. It doesn't fit in the... Uh... Maybe, what if I did it like... Let's see, where's my other bounds here? That. How about that? Is that... Like, weirdly symmetrical? Is that weirdly, like... Do I got a big old nog? Let's see, I'm gonna move it up a little bit. Hmm, how are we feeling about that? Here, I'll do a I'll do a quick test one. Hello, wonderful people, and welcome to Sidecar Stories. This is where I stream. Uh, no, 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 no. Okay, 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 okay. Let's just let's just think for a second here. What's my what's my lines going to be? <laughs> welcome to Sidecar Stories. Um, my name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. Uh, come join me for a start to finish read through of all the Harry Potter books. How about something like that? Yeah. Hello, wonderful people. I'm Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories. We are in the middle of our streamed start-to-finish read-through of the Harry Potter books. Come join me. That's only eight seconds. That's not bad. Hmm. I wish it said, like, here. I'm going to add something that says... Uh, I'm going to add, like, a, a little graphic up at the top, I think. Here we go. You get to see uh, how the sausage gets made with this one. Sorry if I'm a little quiet here. I'll bump my audio up again a little further. There we go. So what if we have like get text? Um, Doctor stories. Oh, and you know what? This would be a good time to also make a little video that would allow. Um, like I said, I can't do, um, I can't do stories on YouTube. Um, you have to have at least 10,000 subscribers, which we're not quite there yet. Um, but, uh, it would be something that's really useful because that would be, I think the best way for me to let people know when I'm streaming. Um, yeah. Okay. So Rachel says, uh, I can't tell if your face is bigger. It's a little bit bigger. Um, but it looks good. Uh, also, channel name and days that I read be good to put on display. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm working on. Let's see. What's a good font for this? Let's try... Hmm. I could go with, like, the Harry Potter route and go... Let's see. I need to be super big. Hmm. That's not very big, is it? And here's the problem when you when it starts out small like that and you make it bigger it looks all goofy 
like a you can see the the sort of like it gets fuzzy. So let's see. What if I just type in like size 200 font? Oh, good lord. Well, maybe when we shrink that back down though. Is it odd to see kind of how this all works? Hmm, maybe something like that. I kind of like it down at the bottom there. It kind of looks like it's sort of like strewn across. Hmm. Or do I want to change where my head is at? Do I want to make my head, do I want to put it down here? And then I can like... I think I might like that slightly better. Yeah, okay, let's work on the color. Um, sidecar stories is all about the blue and the yellow. So if we do yellow with like a blue outline, let's see. That's a, a white outline, I think. Yeah. So what if we do it with the blue outline? That doesn't look awesome. <laughs> let's see. It doesn't look the worst, but it doesn't look awesome. Let's see. Also, I think it needs to be slightly smaller. Get this knocked down a little bit. Yeah, I think that's better. Okay. Maybe if we bump down the... No, then it just looks like it doesn't have an outline. What if we... Okay, that's working a little better. I don't think I love the font still. Let's try also maybe a different outline color. It was a little lighter. Hard to see chat when I do this, sorry. Um, Harry Potter font, you feeling it? Okay. Um, Rachel says this is so much fun to watch. Um, so, hmm. I think, I think I like that how it is. I think, I think that'll do. I'll do donkey. Uh, and then we need another one that says uh, for right now oh yes, gotta save those changes. Um, actually, you know what? We're gonna delete this one and I'm going to copy this one the, the sidecar stories one and I paste a duplicate of it change the properties so that uh, and keep all the same sort of theme oofta hmm and this one we want that to be a lot smaller ah We want this one to be a lot smaller, so let's get that shrunk down. And I want to put it on a shelf somewhere. Um, let me see. Maybe down here? Mm. Maybe I can... Here. What if it's like that? Is that better? Oh, I have to include Sundays, don't I? Let's see. 
Um. Hmm. A little cluttered. It just says, I wonder if you could put the time on the bottom and Sam picture Compton. Sam on the left side of your face, Compton on the right. Okay. You may look crowded. Yeah, I kind of want to keep this as basic as possible. I think I'm going to, you're definitely right that it needs to include the, uh, the time. So that people know when the heck to even show up to this thing. Uh, it might not fit as cleanly on a shelf as I was hoping. Well, maybe I just make it smaller. Hmm. That's too small. Hmm. Okay, maybe it doesn't have to go on a shelf. Or maybe it'll work on this one. That's, I think that's kind of working for me. Yeah, this will give people a chance to sort of like screen grab it and see kind of what, uh, what the deal is. Um, okay. Yeah, I think that works for right now. Let me... Hmm, the font on sidecar stories. I almost wonder, I think I want that to be like... Italics. I think that might... Oh, never mind. There is no italics. <laughs> that was my nose whistling, by the way. Just uh, go ahead and ignore that. Please. Please ignore. Okay. Mm, I think I want this to be in the corner. So. Hmm. Let's try this back down the bottom, maybe. Hmm. It's weird. I don't love it. It's weird. It's weird. Okay. Back up at the top, you go. This kind of frames my head nicely anyways with the S and the uh, AR over here. Okay. I like where the time is at because even though it isn't as big as the title, you're drawn to it because that's where your face is. Okay. Yeah. Alright, I'll leave it there for the time being. Alright, let's record one, shall we? I have to take my audio back down so I don't peek out a bunch. There, let's try that. Hello, wonderful people, and welcome to Sidecar Stories. I'm Sam, and we are in the midst of a start-to-finish read-through. No, okay, no, all right, I'm gonna take that again. This is what recording is like, by the way. It's a lot of like, especially if you've got quick stuff to do, it's a lot of and then having to uh, reset just in the middle of a sentence. So let's do this.
Hello, wonderful people. My name is Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories. We are in the middle of a start-to-finish read-through of all the Harry Potter books. Come join me for the stream. Again, that was only eight seconds. I could fit more info in there. Hello, wonderful people. My name is Sam. Come, no, 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 that's not it. That's not it. Hello, wonderful people. My name is Sam, and welcome to Sidecar Stories. We're in the middle of a start-to-finish read-through of all the Harry Potter books. Come join me for the stream. I love talking to chat. I do different voices for all the characters, and it's kind of fun to hear 10 people argue at the same time, all from one mouth. That was a weird way to say that, wasn't it? That was a little odd. <laughs> it was a little strange. Also, I'm sorry if this is, like, super you guys. Um, I just need it to record properly. That was about 15 seconds, though, so the timing's good. Timing's good. I, f I look like a tomato, but... <laughs> also, why is title name so... Alright, let's try this again. Hello, wonderful people. My name is Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories. I am streaming all of the Harry Potter books, start to finish, every Sunday night. Come here, one guy. Do all ten voices in an argument. Okay, I don't actually know how long that one took, because I accidentally did my timer wrong. But that one was pretty good. I feel pretty good about the uh, the the words the words that I, I did the words on that one. Pretty good. Hello, wonderful people. My name is Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories. Come join me every Sunday night. We're reading through Harry Potter start to finish. And, uh, no. See? See? Gotta start that one over. Hello, wonderful people. My name is Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories. Every Sunday night, I'm streaming the Harry Potter books start to finish. Come uh, listen to me do all ten voices in an argument. It's weird, and it's fun. 12 seconds? That one might be okay. Yeah. I'd prefer to get my audio a bit better, but, uh... Hello, wonderful people. My name is Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories. Every Sunday night, I'm streaming Harry Potter. We're going start to finish all the way through the books. Come listen to me do all ten voices in an argument. Okay, I don't know what the timing was on that one either. Also, I guess it doesn't have to be exactly 15 seconds. It can go a little long. Maybe I'll just, uh, I don't want to, I almost said maybe I'll just freeform it. That's a terrible idea. Never goes well for recording. Um, at least not at this kind of pace, but, uh, okay. I'm going to do a couple of more and just, uh, sort of let them go on as long as they need to. I know I want to keep it under 30 seconds, that's for sure. Hello, wonderful people, and welcome to Sidecar Stories. I stream every Sunday night. No. Low energy, low energy, low energy. <laughs> Hello, wonderful people. This is Sidecar Stories. I'm Sam. Mm. 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 
Hello, wonderful people. I'm Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories. Every Sunday night, I'm reading Harry Potter. I do all the voices for everyone. Uh, come listen to me be all ten voices in an argument. Every Sunday night, 6 o'clock p.m. Oh, I was so close. That was almost decent. It was almost good. But I didn't include the Harry Potter stuff. Rats! I'll find my way around to this eventually. I will. Hello, wonderful people. I'm Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories. I'm streaming every Sunday night. No, eh, I don't stream every Sunday night, and I'm guilty about it. Um, hello, wonderful people. My name is Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories. Come join us on Sunday nights for a full read-through of the Harry Potter books. Going start to finish. We're in book three right now. That's too much information. Hello, wonderful people. My name is Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories. We're doing a start-to-finish read-through of the Harry Potter books. I do all the voices for all the characters. Uh, come join me at 6 p.m. on Sundays for somebody reading all ten voices in an argument. That was close. It was close, but it petered out at the end. Hi, my name is Sam, and this is Sidecar Stories. No, that wasn't quite right. Just wasn't quite right. I'm going to get it quite right, though. I will. Hi. <laughs> it gets weird. It's just me staring at my own face with sidecar stories over it, holding this mic like a weirdo. It's fine. Hello, wonderful people. My name is Sam.